The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is no substitute for professional care by your doctor or your qualified healthcare professional. Never disregard or delay professional medical advice because of something you've heard on this podcast or in any linked material. Guests who speak on this podcast express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions. Dr. Shirley neither endorses nor opposes any particular opinion discussed on this podcast. The views expressed on this podcast have no relation to those of any academic, hospital, practice, institution, or other entity with which Dr. Shirley may be affiliated. Welcome to Forever Fab, the podcast on fashion, the art of living, and all things beauty. This podcast is curated by Dr. Shirley Madeer, MD, as the definitive source of holistic wellness through beauty. Welcome to Forever Fab, the podcast dedicated to fashion, the art of living well, and all things beauty. And welcome to another fabulous episode of MDTV on the Forever Fab podcast, a series highlighting the experts who keep you healthy, beautiful, happy, and of course, fabulous. I'm your host, Dr. Shirley Madeir, the founder of the Holistic Plastic Surgery Philosophy and your purveyor of this definitive source of living a beautiful and fabulous life. In this podcast, I like to have intelligent and fun discussions around some of the things that I personally love and that move me with joy, namely fashion, art, wellness, and the many faces of beauty. I engage in conversations that inspire, motivate, educate, empower, and help to make the world a more beautiful place, one person at a time. I keep it refreshing and real, educational and entertaining, scientific and fabulous. This week's episode is dedicated to balance. The title of the episode is Balancing Your Internal Nature, Metabolism, Menopause, and Mood. (laughs) This is my interview with Dr. Brianna M. Guan. Dr. Guan received her Doctor of Naturopathic Medicine and Bachelor of Science in Herbal Studies, Herbal Sciences, from Bastyr University in Kenmore, Washington. She has specialized training in IV therapy, genomics, environmental medicine, and fertility. She completed preceptorships with leading doctors at Seattle Children's Hospital and the Cancer Treatment Centers for America. She worked with breast and prostate cancer patients on an NIH grant at the Bastyr Integrative Oncology Research Center. Working with children and cancer patients instilled in her a deep commitment to prevention and to understanding what relentless hope means. As a result, she shifted her focus to fertility, women's health, and healthy aging and prevention. She joins me today via StreamYard to discuss metabolism, menopause, mood, and everything in between. Welcome, Dr. Guan. Congratulations on all of your success. And thank you so much for becoming a beautiful member of the Forever Fab community. Welcome. Oh, it's my honor. I'm so excited to be here with you, Dr. Shirley. Thank you. Well, let's get on into it. I'm sure our listeners are really excited to hear what you have to say on these very interesting and timely topics. (laughs) (laughs) What or who inspired you to pursue a field in health and medicine? I, I think a lot of my inspiration came from wanting to support my mom. So she had some health issues herself and, you know, she would go to the doctor and they would say like, lose weight or, you know, like do all these things. And I felt like there was so much 
there was such a missing piece of support for her health and longevity. Um, and so, and, and so that really led me to want to pursue other options for people to get the support that they needed. Cause it's so hard to make changes, yeah. you know, it, yeah. we know what to do, but how do we do those things and what are the right steps? And so I, I felt like that piece of care was really missing from what she received. And I wanted to, you know, take my, <laughs> my shovel to the ground on that little piece of the world. So yeah. that's, that's, that's a show, a sign of your epic compassion mm-hmm. and, who had the most impactful influence on how you define health and wellness? I know you were inspired by your mom to find the missing link and find the connection between health and wellness. Mm-hmm. But other than your mom, was there someone else who was instrumental in helping you to define the difference, if you think there is one, between health and wellness? Yeah, I think it was started out with athleticism. So I remember... Mm-hmm. Um, my mom and I were one summer working at a coffee shop um, for one of her friends. They were out of town. So we were taking care of their coffee shop and we started watching the Iron Man. It was <laughs> summer <laughs> and I was so inspired. I had just started, started to get into fitness and I saw these, you know, older uh, people, you know, pushing themselves to these limits and these extreme athletes. And I had also started running at that time. And I felt these new levels of joy and happiness in my life from exercise. Yeah. And, and those uh, athletes, it, I think it really started with athleticism uh, for me personally. Um, but there have been so many instrumental people um, through my career. The founder of my school, uh, Dr. Joseph Pizzorno, has really been um, a big leader. He started Bastyr University and um, has always been really on the cutting edge of medicine. So that is one of the, you know, um, one of the people that I really look up to in terms of my profession and my career. That's awesome. And you you said something in your answer that stimulated a qu- another question that I had. And it's on the topic of subjective age. Someone just asked me about subjective age and And I basically came up to the conclusion that even though there is no hardcore, there isn't a voluminous amount of scientific research on the topic, Mm -hmm. I do believe that you age how you think you age, obviously, in addition to significant influence, influential factors like, you know, genetics and lifestyle and epigenetics and all that good stuff. But I do think there's something subjective about how you perceive how you're aging Mm -hmm. and your comment about exercise and how you found a new, you know, sense of joy from it really speaks to that topic of subjective aging. Would you agree? Absolutely. I think the way that we live and the experiences that we provide ourselves so much impact our aging. Um, You know, as a parent, um, I'll take my kids to the beach or, or somewhere and they're playing and having a great time. And I might be reserved to the picnic bench watching them. Or <laughs> if I get out in the snow and, you know, run around and have fun, like if I, if I continue to play in my life and put myself in these situations where I am not, you know, just sitting back, but really engaged in life, then I'm young again, like jumping in the ice cold water, all of those things. It's an opportunity, you know, and we have to take those um, chances. I 100% agree with you on that. And I think it's so important to have play and joy and, you know, childishness in your life. I think it's really important because, again, I would say, you know, how you age is related to how you think you age. Yes. And for you, what is sort of the quintessential difference between naturopathic and conventional medicine? 
I think um, naturopathic medicine is really has an emphasis on focusing on health promotion and creating health. Whereas in conventional medicine, a lot of times the focus is on, you know, diagnosing and treating a disease or, or um, providing some sort of uh, remedy for a disease state. And so in naturopathic medicine, I think we're really looking at it. How can we create wellness in the situation where there's some lack? Is, is there something the body needs or there's an obstacle in the way for the body to really thrive? Um, and some of the differences I also see are, you know, sometimes with the medical labs we get back, they might be okay, but they're not great. And so it's, you know, really aiming for that optimal state of wellness versus there's no disease here. Everything's okay. Yeah. So we're really talking about proactive versus reactive in a sense. Yes, absolutely. And, and I love the philosophy of naturopathic medicine. I know I'm very traditionally or conventionally trained, um, but I agree so much with the root cause, you know, of illness or just creating wellness, which is why my practice is, you know, holistic plastic surgery. So I really want to dive, you know, deeper into your approach because I very much appreciate it. You worked with oncology or, or cancer patients. Now, what experience through that uh, affected your decision to focus on aging and sort of disease prevention in a sense? Mm -hmm. There, There's so much that we can do to prevent cancer and cancer is so common these days. The statistics are ever, you know, growing in the wrong direction. And we know that a lot of it is not really genetics. You know, we used to have this belief that it, cancer is always genetic, but actually most cancers, I think it's 70% are lifestyle driven. And so um, as a nation and as a people, what can we do to really focus in and support and protect ourselves? So for the health of our families, um, you know, so we can have our grandparents around for a long time without suffering. And with cancer, there often tends to be a great amount of suffering. And so, um, you know, how the, the seeing that just really inspired me to, well, why can't we do more to really prevent disease and support people to be not just okay, but really thriving. That is so not only compelling, but it's heavy because if, if you think about it, you know, if that statistic really resonates, 70% of cancer is lifestyle related. It's like, oh man, I can't have that extra ice cream or, you know, I really should go out for a run. So it essentially puts the onus on the individual to be responsible for his or her own health and therefore well-being. Mm -hmm. So um, I was going to say throughout this podcast, we'll be talking about, you know, some of the little steps that we can take because hearing that statistic and thinking, oh my gosh, I have to do, I have to change my entire, you know, lifestyle and program and everything that I'm doing it can be super overwhelming. But I know you're going to give us some some tips about what we can do even just day by day, little by little to be able to get to that, you know, optimal health, however it's defined for each individual. Mm -hmm. Why, speaking of optimal health, let, let's dig a little bit deeper into one of your specialties, hormones. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they are in and of themselves, you know, complex molecules, but in general, why are they so misunderstood? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that a lot of the mystery comes from, um, you know, not acknowledging how much they impact us. We simply don't uh, give them enough credit. And yeah. so 
Um, women are, you know, experiencing hormones in so many different ways throughout their life cycle. It's like you're always shifting with your hormones, whether it's month to month or season to season, and they can have a radical impact on just how you feel. I mean, it really changes almost your personality at certain times. <laughs> you know, women will say, I don't feel like myself. And it's like, yeah. And if we recognize the power of that, then I think it would take the burden off of us, you know, like I'm so irritable or I'm depressed, um, but those hormones are really impacting the way we feel. And so um, giving them that credit is empowering because you can take a step back and say, oh, this anxiety is not really me right now. This is this is something I'm experiencing versus, you know, I'm an anxious person. Why is this happening to me, et cetera? Um, I love that you alluded to the word power and empowerment, because I do think that the changes, right, that all humans experience throughout our lifetimes um, sometimes are perceived in a negative light, whereas, in my opinion, and clearly in yours, that, it, that actually can be empowering and something that we as, you know, as all individuals should embrace. So speaking, getting back to hormones and, you know, expanding upon it a little bit, do you believe there's a relationship between hormones and the gut microbiome? Yeah, absolutely. So that we know that the gut microbiome is involved with the metabolism of hormones. And I think that's one of the most important things. So in terms of detoxification, you know, if your bowel, bowel health is not optimal, you might not detoxify your hormones well. You might recirculate hormones that your body was trying to get out of your system back into circulation, um, which is, you know, usually estrogens, which we want to be sending out of the body. And so there's so much interplay between hormones. Um, not only that, but inflammation um, in the gut, the uh, gut lining, all of those pieces are going to impact our stress hormones. And so then that impacts our sex hormones. So it's all very much related. Um, and so I think if we don't address gut health issues, when a woman is having skin issues or perimenopause, you know, we're really missing a big part of the picture. Yeah, I would agree 100%. So what would you say are the top three culprits for premature aging or living in a state of, you know, dis-ease, not necessarily disease, but living in a state of not feeling your optimal best? So it's a two-part question. Uh, what are the top three culprits is part A. And part B, what would be a simple everyday thing that we can do to address each of those culprits? Fun question. <laughs> <laughs> So the first one I would say, um, especially with modern life, is uh, blood sugar irregularities. So if, you know, if you have um, fruit out and it's, you know, turning brown, you're simply, it's oxidation, right? And so we yes. have oxidative stress and inflammation when our blood sugar is high. And I don't think we realize as a society how much our blood sugar variability impacts us. And even if our blood sugar levels are normal, we're still rising up into levels where it's less than optimal for our health. And so you create inflammation, oxidative stress, and that is a big stressor on your system. We're, we're not designed to be just sitting around at our desks with our blood sugars up into the one sixties. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> um, to, to manage that, what I would recommend is learning about your blood sugar. There are so many ways that you can do that. Um, and then really controlling your carbohydrate intake. Oh, those nasty carbs. <laughs> 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 
Um, I, I recommend to, you know, avoid snacking, try to keep your, you know, food within your meals. Cause if you're grazing all day, your blood sugar is going to be going up and down and starting breakfast with proteins. Um, those are some of my, you know, my clients will say, I, I didn't even, wasn't even hungry at lunch, you know, or I wasn't bloated all day. Um, you know, when I wasn't having, um, you know, bananas and peanut butter for breakfast. Or something <laughs> like that. Um, the second, second piece would be uh, stress. Mm. You yeah. are not lying, sis. It's so huge, you know. It's, Ginormous. It's so big for us. And I think um, if, we can, <laughs> if we can address stress, it's going to significantly impact our sense of wellness and longevity. And one of the things that I've been thinking about is um, I have a one-year-old. And um, yeah, when I was um, giving birth, you know, they always say to relax into the pain, right? Relax. That's like the message of birth. Relax into it. And I think we forget about that with our stress. Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, I'm stressed right now. I want to, you know, medicate or take something or do something and or buy something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How can we release into it? You know, just soften, just be like, okay, I'm stressed. This is a stressful situation, that compassion. And then knowing that it's like a wave, it's going to pass, soften into it, you know, breathe, drink water and be, feel it. You know, the more that we feel discomfort, the more we can change and adapt and learn from it. If we're always pushing it away, um, there's no, there's no learning and growing. And so feeling experiences that are challenging, I think are so, um, are something that we can lean into more. Yeah. Excellent. And number three, number three, I would say toxins. Um, we, we are exposed to so many toxins, um, everywhere. Yes. And so the air we breathe, the water we drink, food, you know, personal care products, fragrances, all of these things. So we have to be wise about this um, and really um, eliminate exposure. So stop drinking out of plastic water bottles. You know, don't put your food in plastic. Uh, try to use green products, um, organic foods, fresh water, clean air, all of those things. They Those Little exposures to chemicals, be it metals, plastics, et cetera, have huge rippling effects on our hormones. Mm -hmm. And so for our children, for our husbands, or, you know, for ourselves, um, there's a big cumulative impact of what we're, you know, exposing ourselves to. So I think that that's really important for, you know, our generation as well. Excellent. Brilliant tips. Thank you so much. More tips coming in this next question. <laughs> Metabolism, mood, and menopause. Um, if you could provide one tip that um, we can adopt to be able to manage each one of those things. So metabolism, then mood, and then the big M, menopause. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, for metabolism, I would say with women there in my generation, um, there's always been this emphasis on being small, right? And so, um, and so, as in thin, yeah, yeah, just tiny, like you know, like slender arms and all these things. And and um, I I can understand that. And we need muscle for metabolism, and so. Uh, we can't be lifting three pound weights and expecting that to support our, our optimal health. And so metabolism, <laughs> you have to lift heavy things. 
I was like, I better replace those two pound weights with something like that. <laughs> and that is going to boost your metabolism um, in a huge way. I would say, um, and for mood and metabolism, do things that are different. Mm. We do the same things, eat the same things, go to the same places, talk to the same people. We have to have variety for our metabolism, you know, and our mood. We get sensory deprivation sitting at our desks and we need color and texture and we need flavors. Like oh, they're so, we're so lucky to be um, where we are and have so much access to different foods and flavors and et cetera. And so, yes. you know, we need to provide those things to stimulate ourselves, like wear color, you know, um, put on a different shade of eyeshadow, do things to stimulate yourself, you know, uh, get a different massage style or try acupuncture. All of these things can really enhance our mood because we get bored um, and we get, you know, uh, dopamine and serotonin, all these food feel good um, chemicals from different exposures. And so with your workouts, you know, hot yoga, uh, ice baths, whatever, do different things. <laughs> you keep going back to those ice baths, Dr. Kwan. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm with you on that one. <laughs> I'm still trying to embrace summer, you know, like the 85 degrees of like, yes, yes, yes. I'm trying to hold on. So I said, ah, no, I'm not ready. <laughs> and then for menopause, I know that in a way, um, it's very interesting what's happening now, right? Menopause has sort of always been demonized, like, oh, the change. Oh, you know, women, you know, are sort of entering into their, you know, we no longer want you phase. It, it's it's horrible. But yet at the same time, what's happening now, I'm seeing a lot of individuals and businesses kind of capitalizing on that negativity and trying to say, oh, no, you know, it's actually a beautiful thing and take this supplement and this cream and you know, this device. So ah, there's so much around it. What are your sort of simple, you know, uh, advice on how to help manage these very natural changes and how to become empowered by them? Mm-hmm. I think it's really important to understand what's going on. So I'd say one of the most important things is to get educated about what your options are. Um, so that's, you know, reading books, listening to podcasts like your uh, lovely podcast and um, really understanding the process. So, you know, perimenopause is happening in your late 30s, 40s. And so it's not just menopause happens Wednesday, one day. There's a whole transition. And we have to understand the role of the hormones, you know, Estrogen is really important for a lot of things. What does it do in our bodies, you know, and, and what does progesterone do? So progesterone is the first hormone to drop, right? When you're going through perimenopause. And so you have, you know, poor problem, poor quality sleep, anxiety, and these changes are starting to happen, but you don't realize that it's your hormones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when you do, you kind of feel helpless, like, oh, it's those things. Uh, I guess I know what to do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So um, learning about hormone replacement therapy and doing some really good research on the various options related to that, you know, their botanical medicines, uh, dietary changes and exercise. I alluded to blood sugar earlier. I think that's one of the most important things for wellness through menopause. And um, because women start to gain weight, their metabolism shifts in a huge way. And so they gain 15, 20 pounds in their abdomen. And that's really related to insulin and blood sugar. So I think if there was less of that burden that she had to carry through, um, I think that leads to a sense of well-being that really bothers women to all of a sudden, you know, I've been working out, I've been eating well, and then all of a sudden this change happens. And 
you know, I didn't do anything and that's really hormone related. Um, So I would say, you know, really educate yourself about your options, be it natural or or whatever you want to do. But if you just say, oh, this is bad, I'm not going to do it. It's dangerous or I don't have any options. I'm scared. So I'm just not going to do anything. Um, That's not an empowered decision. We want to we want to know the options. And I do like what you said about, you know, sugar and taking into account that these changes are going to happen. They're natural. The hormones will shift and change and you'll have more of this and less of this or none of that. And I think it's important for women of a certain age to note that you, you do have to almost lean into the change. As you said, lean into the pain earlier and lean into the discomfort. Yes, these changes can potentially be uncomfortable. But if you lean into it and get educated about what's happening, and I would say, you know, speak to a physician about that. Um, mm-hmm. I see a lot of patients who have their internet MD and you know, sometimes you have to refute a few things, but get educated you know, from credible sources yeah. and recognize that you can actually manage your sugar intake or at least to reduce the burden that the body is already trying to manage through. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. There's so many steps that you can take with uh, you know, food, lifestyle, herbal medicines, et cetera. So Yes. So we are not necessarily powerless. We don't, we don't have to go down tired. (laughs) Yes. Yes. You're liberated. Yeah. Right. Right. How you age is how you think you age. (laughs) Now let's talk about, we talked about diet and nutrition and some of the other things, but do you, you obviously are um, credentialed in herbal medicine or botanical medicine and how do you incorporate that into your practice? I use um, mostly formulated products or herbal extracts and supplements. Um, I, you know, in the past would love to make medicines for people or dose up, you know, herbal tinctures and stuff, but working remotely, we don't do that so much. But herbs have been with humanity for thousands of years and we've forgotten about them. And so it's amazing how many herbs there are for different ailments or for enhancing function. Like, Uh, with cortisol, for example, there are botanical um, herbs called adaptogens that modulate how your body produces cortisol. So if you're in a stressful situation and you're making so much cortisol through the roof and it's making you feel terrible, there are herbs that can help center you back. Isn't that amazing? I'm telling you, the earth is brilliant. (laughs) The earth is absolutely brilliant. I too studied herbal medicine because I've just been so fascinated by the possibilities, but Yes, I agree with you. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I, I think that it's an opportunity for us to connect with these things. And they're all so different. It's like, uh, you know, which herb should I take for my stress? It's like apples and bananas. They're so different, right? They're yeah. like, And so we can take them and experience them. And that's the spice of life, too. You know, having these different types of medicines to explore and um learn about and then utilize in our life for our wellness. And you you don't have to take things every day. You can be like, well, today I need a little more ashwagandha to provide yeah. some calm and centering, you know, or maybe I need some more spicy shizandra because I'm feeling a little, you know, flat or 
So there are all these different ways that we can take the medicines into our own hands and utilize them. And I think that's, I mean, they're just growing around for us. So. I would love to have you back on this podcast specifically discuss herbal medicine because yes, there's, they're potentially amazing, right? But one plant can have 10 different compounds that have 10 different actions and reactions in, a, in various individuals. So it's not like, you know, you go on the internet, you know, best herb for stress because, you know, I've done that before I studied herbal medicine. I've done that. And um, you can get so many, a variety of herbs that come up and whether you take one or the other can definitely have, you know, interesting and um, potentially problematic impact on your body. So I would say learn from someone who is a studied, you know, licensed, you know, herbalist for sure. Absolutely. Now, speaking of herbs, would you say, not that you're prescribing, I know you're not, but in general, <laughs> are there a few, one or two or three basic herbs or botanicals that you would highly recommend that every woman have in her medicine or beauty cabinet in general? What a fun question. <laughs> I, yes, absolutely. I, I love uh, curcumin. So curcumin is not an herb. It's a compound isolated from the turmeric root, but it's anti-inflammatory. And so for pain, inflammation, uh, skin health, prevention of disease, it's amazing. So that's one that I would absolutely have um, in my medicine cupboard. I take it all the time. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> it's great for skin. Um, so that's really lovely. Um, I like to have ashwagandha around for stress hormones and supporting balance. I think drinking green tea regularly is optimal for prevention. And so we want to Think about longevity. If you go to PubMed or Google Scholar and put in green tea, thousands of studies on green tea and prevention yeah. of cancer, uh, lifestyle diseases. Um, other herbs that I would recommend having on hand are things like echinacea. Um, so echinacea purpura is supportive for colds and flu. So if you get the sniffles, you want to start that right away and having that on hand is um, really wonderful. For um, a lot of perimenopausal age women, um, I like to recommend lavender. I typically will recommend it in some sort of capsule. Um, in the summer, sometimes I'll put a scoop of lavender flowers into a smoothie, mm. um, but it's so calming in a capsule or in the smoothie, but more so in the capsule and you just feel relaxed. Um, and so for sleep and anxiety, or just instead of having a glass of red wine, you know, having a cup of lavender tea, um, or, you know, a capsule of lavender is really nice. And then for my final herb, um, I would, a uh, herb that I recommend quite often is Eleuthero or uh, Siberian ginseng. Yeah. And so it's, it's a herb that I recommend for my clients who have been experiencing long-term stress and they're depleted. So it's rich, it's nourishing, um, and it's going to help really build back in strength. Uh, you know, so if a woman comes in and she's like, I'm tired. And we look at her cortisol levels and they're flatlined. <laughs> um. <laughs> that is, and that happens um, more than I would like to see. So, cause we're under a lot of stress just chronically. Yes. Um, and so I love that one for really nourishing women in a deeper way, helping them to build back up that adrenal strength. Fantastic. You've been listening to part one of the Forever Fab podcast with my fabulous guest, Dr. Brianna Guan. Stay tuned for part two. 
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Forever Fab, the podcast on fashion, the art of living, and all things beauty, curated by Dr. Shirley Madir, MD. Live beautifully and help make the world a more beautiful place.